often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 501. And man, my headphones are being screwy. There's uh, technical difficulties. I'm going to have to pot that down because for some reason I'm getting this. Ha! Kill the music. There's something. I hope it's just the cord, the headphones. These are nice headphones. I like them. Don't want them to be trashed. Uh, but, uh, anyway, yeah, I'm your host, Josh Albrecht, episode 501, uh, back in the penthouse, yet again. I, uh, survived, uh, my birthday weekend, and, you know, yeah, the 500th episode last week of 10 years of the slap, and then, uh, I got sick on Sunday, got sick on Sunday, by the time I posted the last episode, I was not feeling great, not feeling great at all. Uh, uh, I did get tested for the Rona on Monday. That turned out neg, negative, negative, negative. I don't think it was. Feels like I guess a cold or something. They tested me for strep too, because that was kind of what they were uh, feeling like it was when I went to the uh, urgent care, and I tested negative for that as well. Um, so I don't know. I got sick. I was uh, I missed work for two days, and then Wednesday and Thursday. Man, I felt pretty pretty good then friday just came back around again it was like uh chumbawamba's uh tub thumping you know it got knocked down but it got up again it fucking got up again and it came back like a with a fucking vengeance it was uh it was not kind to me on friday and today here on saturday still not feeling great i'm better than yesterday but uh it's not the rona i i don't i don't feel like i'm gonna die there's that (laughs) But it's annoying, is what it is. It's really annoying. <laughs> All the phlegm, it's having to constantly blow my nose, and to where just now it's just blood that comes out when I blow my nose uh, with little chunks of snot. Occasionally, when I get so so happy when I and there's a bit of relief when I get a chunk of snot with the blood. Most of the time, it's just blood after <laughs> blowing my nose for you know like six days straight or where the fuck it's been. It's uh it's been too many days. Um. And I've been popping Benadryl and uh, some other cold shit uh, to help with with all that. I don't think the cat's helping either. I do have the slight allergies. That's uh, also been not great for it. Uh, I feel like there was stuff I was going to get to more on. Well, I guess last week I, w- I didn't really get into what we did on my birthday because I was just you know busy talking about 10 years, a decade of this podcast. And uh, just play, got lazy, I guess, too, and just played a lot of clips that I cut <laughs> a couple of years ago, actually, honestly, uh, for another, like, anniversary. It was, you know, I don't know, seven years or something. I don't remember what the anniversary was, but I cut them for that uh, so I could play during another the podcast. And uh, the last two years of the pandemic, it really is like, ah, I don't know. I can't really think of any positive ones to cut from, except for maybe to go back to like Fiener's last episode or something. There was, there's probably some good gems in there. The last two episodes with Fiener. That was, that was unfortunately 
I believe it was in 2020. Yeah, it had to be in 2020 because it was the last one was like a week before he passed. But uh, <clears throat> anywho, uh, dark times we live in. Uh, <laughs> we had a good time though, uh, Shelly and I, uh, going out to the uh, Blues game, even though they lost in a shootout. And uh, but you know it was good seeing the Blues. Only the second time I've ever been to a hockey game. And uh, <laughs> we had, even though it's like you know the cheapest seats we had, we were like all the way at the top in uh, section like three twelve or something like that. Uh, portal forty three or forty four, I believe. I don't know something along that lines. And uh, we were uh, we were up high, but we, that perfect vantage. You could still see everything on the rink. You could see the puck and all that going. And I had no problems <laughs> losing it, except for occasionally I would uh, watch the replays up on the TV screens and then just keep watching the TV screen. Why the fuck am I watching the TV? The game's right below me. <laughs> uh, and there was a guy not too far from us that I think might have murdered somebody afterwards. There was a bit of a, a, a thing going on there. He he actually like, murder them! Murder <laughs> Like, going off. <laughs> And uh, apparently the team wasn't listening because they were not playing very hard against uh, Pittsburgh. As uh, Pittsburgh outshot them two to one, it was a bit rough, and nobody could seem to pass very well. Like we, there was at least three to four times I believe that, the, that uh, myself and the rest of the audience had to yell to the Blues players to turn around to look for the puck because it's going to you, jackass. <laughs> uh, but the blue, you know, I st- I love the Blues. Uh, and uh, the uh, Tool concert, man, there was some strange vibes going on there, too, when uh, we went. We had pretty much the same seats. We were a couple of sections away. Um, But we we had uh, seats that were somewhat similar to where we were at, at the Blues game. And uh, so, again, not the greatest seats, but, I mean, shit, the sound in there is fucking great. Uh, well, I mean, there's better venues to hear a concert, but I mean, shit, it's, I mean, it was a good show. It's a good show. It's tool. And now the cat's going to flip out. He's going to, he's going to ruin the whole show. Um, <laughs> damn you. Agent Mulder, calm down. Simmer, Agent Mulder. Simmer. I might have to, <laughs> might have to close my other room again. You know, I opened the window downstairs in the blinds so he could go get distracted with the outside world. And hopefully just hang out down there. But he's too needy that he gets uh, he's away from me for too long. He's got to come back and see what's up. He's like, oh, no, what's going on? What are you doing? You're not jerking off again, are you? Yeah, see here? he's Yeah, don't jerk off. That's what he's saying. Like, There's, there's no time for that. You have a cat now. <laughs> anyway, yeah, at the... <laughs> The Tool concert. I was getting some strange vibes. These people, that this... Man, I don't know, it was like father and son? Or what? That set? Or just like a... Uh, I was getting weird vibes. There was... Uh, these two... I, I believe it was two males. Not that it would matter if it was male and female at, at this point, but there was... <laughs> I didn't want to stare. Uh... But uh, sitting next to us, there was uh, 
my initial thought that it was like a, a father and his his uh, child, whatever. Uh, it was uh, the, the case, maybe whether it be a boy or a girl, and that that's really not important to the story. Uh, they started sitting next to us, and the uh, older gent, who I assumed was a father at first, was very handsy with uh, the other individual we'll call the child. Again, I don't know, maybe maybe of age. I don't know. I don't know. There was there was weirdness going on, but I was getting like a vibe that was like I was like I hope that I almost. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think maybe this person was like kidnapped. I was like, is this like a Ben Ownby situation? There was the kid in Missouri, uh, that was kidnapped back in two thousand seven, uh, and uh, Sean Hornbeck was the other one that was kidnapped at the time, and uh, got uh. Michael Devlin was the cocksucker that uh, kidnapped the two. And he had the at least the Sean Hornbeck. I believe it was several years that he had him. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, I almost had like vibes like that. I was like almost like le- to lean over to this individual next to me and be like, uh, hey, do you need help? <laughs> like they sat there for a while at the Tool show, like came in after it had started, after Tool already t- was playing. And then uh, they didn't stay real long. Like, just, like, left. It was, I don't know, it was a weird thing. Like, I was getting, like, you know, it, <laughs> it could have been a father and son. Just, like, just like, hey, like, to leave my arm on, on the kid. It wasn't like they were making out, you know. It was like a kiss on the forehead sort of thing. So, you know, maybe it was, you know, just like, hey, he's taking out my kid to... <laughs> My do, my mind just goes to dark places. Is what I'm assuming is going on. I'm assuming that <laughs> it wasn't bad, and I was like, yeah, you know, do I? <laughs> I step in. Although I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna read the news someday. They're like, holy shit, that was that fucking those two with the fucking tool show. And then I'm gonna have to have regret for the uh, rest of my life for uh, yeah that. But I I man, I don't know. there was weird vibes. There was weird vibes. I get weird vibes all the time from going out in public. And this is the, you know, biggest public event I've been to in years. So I'm going to get all kinds of paranoid from people in the crowd because that's just how I do. Like, I remember years ago at the High Point watching a movie and a guy, it was right after the Colorado uh, movie theater shooting and the guy did the finger guns. I was assuming jokingly. But I mean, the shooting just happened. And, uh, like he was, you know, I think sarcastically, like, yeah, I'm gonna shoot you, and just like right after this happened, and uh, I, I watched that guy for the rest of the fucking show, man. <laughs> I was like ready to like, okay, do I jump under the seat? Do I, I? I was close that day to like getting a hold of management, like going under management, and be like, look, man, I, you know, he's probably fucking around. He seems like a jackass, but he's just probably fucking around. But he gave the finger guns. Man, I'm going to be like a totally paranoid asshole old man if I make it to an old age. I'm going to be calling the cops on everything. Like, Hopefully I don't become like a uber racist old man. Like, I don't know, there's this black guy here. Like, that would be fucking horrible. I, I Thankfully, I, I'm not like that. It's not the color of the skin that makes me paranoid. It's just, you know, vibes like giving finger guns <laughs> after a mass shooting. Or just, you know, too much PDA. 
That that makes me creeped out. <laughs> uh, the age difference is what kind of weirded me out. And I was like, is this a father and son or is this, I, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know. So like, I didn't have any information to go off and to really suggest that this person was in trouble or anything like that. But my mind immediately goes to fucked up places like that. Anyway, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be admitting that on audio and putting it out into the world. But uh, <laughs> uh, I don't I don't really think there was a crime going on. Like, had I, I you know. And I had real evidence to think that there was a thing. I would hope that uh, I would do something, but how would I guess? How would I fucking know? How would I know if there was like a Sean Hornback situation there going on? I don't know. You, you hear stuff like people that uh, neighbors of people like that. They're like, "Oh, I had no idea. I had no idea." You know, just, we were kind of all in our own little worlds, and. Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, uh, speaking of shitty things and how dark things are, uh, I'm a big fan of the Foo Fighters. Love me some Foo Fighters. The Dave Grohl, anything that Dave Grohl's involved in. I mean, fuck. Nirvana. Uh, I was going to say Eagles of Death Metal. He's not involved with that, but he's uh, played drums for Queens of the Stone Age and the band Them Crooked Vultures, which is good shit. Really good shit. Uh, but... Uh, <coughs> Unfortunately, the the drummer for Foo Fighters just passed away, which I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've probably already heard this uh, already. Uh, I would hope. <laughs> um, they were uh, touring in South America, in Colombia, I believe, Bogota. Which I can't, ha- anytime I hear Bogota, I can't help but think of fucking Narcos on uh, Netflix and the story about uh, Pablo Escobar. Uh but uh <clears throat> yeah unfortunately he passed away age of 50 um which is uh i guess for musician ages uh <laughs> that's kind of old i mean it's not crazy old i mean it's a he's not an old dude you know 50s i say that now cuz i'm in my 40s i'm like that's not old but uh <clears throat> Anyway, uh, yeah, he was the drummer for the Foo Fighters since 97. Of course, if you don't know, like, the history of the Foo Fighters, uh, Dave Grohl, actually, uh, after uh, Kurt Cobain died, he was lost and, you know, didn't know what he wanted to do with uh, his life at that point. And he was, uh, he had played drums for Tom Petty, and I'm just, like, trying to remember the story, you know, off the top of my head. I may be getting things a little mixed up here, but uh, he had, like took an offer to just play drums for Tom Petty on Saturday Night Live, and Petty had offered. Then he's like, "Hey, you you know you want to be my my full time drummer," and uh, it, around that time, like he uh, he had. I don't know if he had all of the music for the first Foo Fighters albums, but he had been working like when he was in Nirvana. I guess the guy has been working on music, writing his own songs and shit since he was a kid, essentially. But like he had been working on some stuff. But then uh, he went, I know he had gone on a trip to Ireland, which I can. Uh, I love Ireland, and I, he said he. I believe he was driving by himself in Ireland, 
and uh, came up with or decided what he was going to do when he was in Ireland. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, here we go. Here's a story on it. It's uh, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl revealed to Graham Norton. Okay. He's said this on a lot of shows. Uh, how a chance encounter in the Ring of Kerry. I've been there. Great place. Helped him move on and keep making music following the death of his bandmate and friend Kurt Cobain. Uh, the Foo Fighters frontman told Norton how he fled to Ireland following Cobain's death in 94 to escape the tragedy's media frenzy. Grohl ultimately revealed how his time in Ireland inspired him to form the Foo Fighters. Oh, you know, I didn't hear this part before. Uh, <clears throat> Grohl said to Norton, when Kurt died and it all ended, I didn't know what to do with my life. I couldn't listen to music anymore because it hurt too much. So I tried to escape and went to Ireland to soul search. I hope he goes back there now, man. Fuck. Probably in a dark place. Uh, only about 25 at the time, Grohl revealed that he was driving around the Ring of Kerry in Ireland. Trying to find peace, he came across a hitchhiker walking in the rain. Talking to Ryan Tubridy on RTE Radio 1, he said, As I was coming around this road, I saw a hitchhiker. It was sort of raining, and I was thinking, oh, I might pick him up. As he got closer and picked the hitchhiker up, he realized that the man was wearing a Kurt Cobain t-shirt. I may have heard this before, but uh, in conversation, Norton uh, si with uh, Norton girl said, I picked up a hitchhiker who was wearing a Cobain shirt, and I thought, even in this remote place, I can't outrun life. And uh, girl had said at the moment in Ireland, he realized I needed to survive and get on with life, and at that moment, he realized survival would be to continue making music. Girl returned to America and formed the Foo Fighters that same year, originally a solo project. He recorded a demo of 15 songs, then playing every instrument, hoping to release and remain anonymous in the project. We all know that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, I think there's like one one track where like somebody else is playing bass or some other instrument. I could be wrong on that, but uh, I tell you what, yeah, the, you want to do some good thinking, and in a beautiful place, Ireland is the place to do it. Uh, but yeah, uh, the first album was all Dave Grohl, pretty much. I don't like again. I'm. I think there was one track where he didn't play one of the instruments, but dude's fucking great. And then uh, their second album, the which possibly their best, possibly their best, the color and the shape, with uh, I believe Monkey Wrenches on there, My Hero, Everlong. I mean, great fucking album. Uh, great cover of Baker Street on there. But uh, th during then, he had already formed the band, pretty much the band that would be the Foo Fighters almost to what it is today. You know, I believe Pat Schmier already came in for that. And uh, <laughs> I remember all the other guys' names. But they had a different drummer initially. The bass player and the drummer came as like a pair. It was a, a package deal with the two of them. And I think they did, like, a tour on, like, the first album before doing, like, The Color and the Shape. And when they were recording The Color and the Shape, that uh, drummer just... <laughs> Grohl wasn't digging his drums on there, like, what he was doing with the drums. And so Dave Grohl would just record every song with himself playing the drums. And then I don't think it took too terribly long to that finally uh, kick him out of the band and then... uh. 
Taylor Hawkins, he he met Taylor Hawkins, I believe, while he uh, Taylor Hawkins was uh, performing for Alanis Morissette's uh, touring band, which at that time, this was 97, like Jagged Little Pill was fucking huge, man. Like, uh, You Oughta Know, and uh, is it Ironic? I don't remember all the songs, but You Oughta Know, I know that one is stuck in my head. The song about Dave Coulier, man. Fucking Dave Coulier. <laughs> fucking her over. Uh, which is still just funny to me that Uncle Joey is like pretty much the whole album Jagged Little Pill is written about. Uncle Joey from fucking Full House. Uh, but uh, holy shit, man. Since like Taylor joined the band as the drummer, like I I can never think of any interview with the Foo Fighters like after that where like Taylor wasn't like right next to fucking Dave. And, like, those two seem to be, like, thick as thieves, you know. I don't know either of them personally, but I get the impression that they were really close friends. And uh, <laughs> I just watched some of the fucking old-school Foo Fighters videos. Like, uh, this was, he wasn't in this one, but uh, Big Me, because I love that one because it's got the Futos, where the if you're familiar with the old Mentos commercials where people would, like, jump into the back of a limousine where like you know somebody else was riding in it and they're like well what are you doing and then pull out the mentos like oh no it's all cool he's got mentos and agent Mulder needs to calm down agent Mulder, <laughs> please calm down now all right <laughs> uh he's obviously a foo fighters fan as well as uh <laughs> i believe dave grohl is in one uh, episode of the foo fighters i know jack black is Jack Black's good friends uh, with the Foo. Uh, anyway, son of a bitch. All right, I'm going to have to do take care of this cat situation real quick. All right, he might be quiet for a couple of minutes now. Maybe. <laughs> I petted him a little bit, gave him a treat downstairs, and then I came back up here and closed the door. <laughs> Maybe he'll... <laughs> Give me like five minutes here where he's not flipping out. Uh, anyway, I lost track of where, where I was I was talking, but uh, oh yeah, the food, talking about the futos. But then I went to uh, <coughs> learn to fly, which <laughs> is a classic one, but I don't think it. it uh, I feel like it. It's kind of. Uh, uh, you know, not PC now. Um, as uh, they're wearing fat suits and also uh, being very effeminate. They keep and uh, I gotta say, Taylor Hawkins in drag in that looks pretty hot. Just saying, it looks pretty damn hot in there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, I'm looking over the fucking dis- discography now. Man, they've got a fuck ton of albums here um damn two of them just dropping in 2021 man three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve i thought they had more than that i was thinking they had at least like like 15 16 albums but i guess i mean shit that's a lot for a fucking band to put out man they had some fucking good ones in here um <laughs> Let's see the 
the highest rated one on, on here I'm looking at at allmusic.com where I'm looking at their discography is Wasting Light, which I might be my favorite. I mean, color and shape is fucking good. Fucking good, but goddamn, Wasting Light, man. That stuff is so fucking good. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, as I was talking about it, yeah, uh, <laughs> their early videos were pretty great. Uh, and uh, the man, they would just do a lot of funny shit. Like they had, uh, I love uh, whenever they had the uh, uh, shit. Was it the uh, Lou Gehrig's disease? Or AL, was it the ALS challenge or whatever? Where everybody, uh, this was several years back, I guess, when we were videos hit, taping ourselves uh, getting splashed with ice-cold water and, uh, you know, wasting a lot of water. But there was ice bucket challenge to, wait, to uh, raise money for ALS or whatever. And we did it on the Slapbox podcast, too. And I don't remember where all of us did it. But I know I did it <laughs> and got splashed with ice cold water. And uh but the Foo Fighters did it and theirs was fucking great, man. They had this bit where they did uh it was Carrie from the uh Stephen King horror uh movie based on the Stephen King book, that is. Uh the where Carrie at the end uh, she's at the prom, I guess it is. She's they voted her prom queen just to dump blood. I believe it's pig's blood on her, and she starts freaking out and does the mind shit where she's like blowing people up or whatever. I don't know. She started killing people, but the Foo Fighters did that. But it was the ice bucket challenge, and uh, <laughs> fuck, I gotta I gotta find that. I I uh. There we go. Ice Bucket Challenge here. Here we go. Ice Bucket Challenge. Foo Fighters. Seven years ago. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, just seeing the picture of Dave Grohl in a dress next to Taylor Hawkins in the in the tux. Fucking great. Fucking great. It's probably going to play adverse. Oh, no. Hello. My name's Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters. I'm accepting Zach Brown's ALS Ice Zach Bucket Brown Challenge. And furthermore... I'm challenging Jack Black, John Travolta, and Stephen King. You have 24 hours. Of course he chose Stephen King. He's wearing a tiara. He's, he's getting the flowers. Dave Grohl is supposed to be Carrie, I suppose. Taylor Hawkins is the jackass jock. Or, or whatever. Well, I guess Hawkins is unaware of what's going on, too. The rest of the band. Pat Schmier's in the back. He's got the... Uh, you got the rope, he's about to drop the ice. Rolls crying. Taylor is just doing the great, like, finger guns. But he's not, like, you know, threatening to kill anybody. He's jocular and getting the finger guns. <laughs> These old videos are great. I hope the audio's not fucked up for this, too. It's just not it in my headset. I apologize if it's, if it's jacked. But uh, the cheesiness of this is very great. Dave Gold just got hit with the ice. They ruined up his makeup job. 
that I'm sure he spent all day on. You can see all those tats. It's great. <laughs> they actually cut in like the reaction from the audience and Carrie, I believe. Yeah, because there's PJ Souls. <laughs> I forgot she was in that. <laughs> Does he kill the audience in this? I don't recall. As, uh, I think Taylor Hawkins just mouthed, what the fuck? <laughs> the bucket hits him and I guess knocks him out here. So he's going down. What a great fall there. Chevy Chase would be proud of that fall. As PJ Souls is laughing in the crowd. There it is. There it is. Yeah, they use a bunch of shit from Carrie in here. Oh, sorry. But, uh, yeah, man, I had to kill that audio. That's a little jacked up. But, uh, <laughs> that they're all going to laugh at you, too, is the name of Adam Sandler's shit. First or second? I think it's his first uh, comedy album he put out. Is they're all going to laugh at you. And there's a part where he's playing a crazed mother. And just, they're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. Yeah, here we go. Here's Dave Grohl. He's closing it up. He is going to kill the audience. He's <laughs> so good. Man. Oh, they don't show him like killing the audience, though. Uh, I do need to see that Foo Fighters movie, the Studio 666. Uh, but, uh, man, it just, I mean, it blows about... And sadly, I still, you know, I have not seen the Foo Fighters live. I, at times, I, I thought about getting tickets. Man, I mean, they're a big arena rock band. It's, uh, tickets, you know, aren't aren't cheap. It's bad enough, you know, spending, you know, one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars for tool tickets. Uh, uh, you know, I've done that several times. It's like uh, you got to really want to see somebody, and hopefully, the cat shuts up again. Holy fuck. Um. Damn it. Uh, you know, I thought Big Me was on on the color and the shape, but I guess I guess that's not. Is that off the first album? Am I Is that why? I guess that's probably why Taylor's not in the video, if that would be correct. Is Big Me on? Yeah, that's on the first album. I was thinking that was the color and the shape. I was fucking wrong. <laughs> that completely explains why he's not in there. Uh, but I guess all the videos for the color and the shape, by the time they started doing that stuff, Taylor's a big part of the band there. Is uh, like My Hero, Everlong, and Monkey Wrench were the big ones off that album. But I mean, it's a great fucking album from the top to bottom. I thought, is there uh, shit? I guess only some versions of that album have Baker Street on there. I don't see Baker Street on, listed on here, but I'm pretty sure that was on Color and Shape. No, give me no shit, this music, allmusic.com. <laughs> I thought for sure that was uh, on that album. But uh, I guess, man, I feel like maybe it's just extended versions of that album. That's a great cover. They did some, man, they did some great fucking covers. Like uh, Band on the Run, the cover of the Paul McCartney Wings uh, song there. It's good stuff. Well, hell, they played Wembley Stadium, I believe, with and 
uh, Paul McCartney, I think, joined him when they played Wembley Stadium. I know at uh, maybe it was Wembley 2 where uh, Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones came out and played played a song or two with them. Like they did. That was that was quite a few years ago when they played Wembley Stadium. There was like a like a three day concert or something like where they sold out Wembley Stadium, something like that. I wa- you know, I've watched a lot of their live shit. I just haven't been there for the live concert, unfortunately. But I would man, I'd definitely say looking at all these I mean, there's so many great fucking songs by the Foo Fighters, but my my favorite I guess would have to be Wasting Light, which came out here it says twenty eleven. I was feeling like it was 2010, though, but I guess, yeah, it was 2011, because I, I know I worked at the radio station. It was near the end, or I worked at the radio station, so it was it already turned into 2011 at that point. Um, <clears throat> But uh, that album came out, and uh, there was... Uh, <clears throat> man, they went back to, I believe, just recording, like, all analog on that one as they... Uh, like got all this analog equipment. I think put it into. If I remember, this is the album where they they went in and put all this analog equipment in Dave Grohl's house and fucking recorded that album with the soundboard that they fucking used and shit was uh, I forgot which studio. Um, it came from, but they they took this famous fucking soundboard that recorded all these big name albums and like all types of different bands. It's like uh, <coughs> there was uh. You know, like Fleetwood Mac and all kinds of people that had recorded big albums using the same equipment and shit. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, that, that album just sounds so good. Uh, there's, uh, you can see a lot of, uh, videos where as, uh, they did the whole album when it came out, uh, Letterman was still on the air. And they played the whole song live on Letterman because Letterman was a huge fan of uh, the Foo Fighters. It was fa- his favorite band. Actually, the uh, la- the final episode of David Letterman when he uh, he closes out the show, he closes it with the Foo Fighters, and they're playing Everlong, and you know doing a montage of all the uh, highlights of David Letterman when his with his time on the air. And before they do the uh, montage and he uh, has the Foo Fighters come out, he tells a story about him having uh, having to have heart surgery. And then uh, upon coming out, uh, I guess his his booker for the show, you know, asked him who he wanted uh, for his show coming back. And he only had one band in mind. And he said he, wa- he really loved the song Everlong. <laughs> and... Uh, he wanted them to come out and play the song, but the uh, just like they were right now, they at that time they were on a tour in South America, and uh, <clears throat> like his his booking agent or whoever uh, got a hold of him, was like, well, I'm sorry to say they're on tour in South America, and Dave's like, you know, like ah oh, fuck, you know, they're like well they canceled the tour and then they they played Letterman. Because they uh, they love Dave so much, came out and played <clears throat> Everlong uh, that show, and then uh, closed out his final show with Everlong. And man, that the performance of Wasting Light on uh, 
Letterman's really good. There's also another YouTube video of like the whole thing. Um, I'll find that real quick. Uh, of them performing the whole album. It's like studio something. Um, let me find that. There is a <laughs> compilation here. Uh, live from 606. Uh, that's like a club or what, but it looks like somebody's garage. And that's a that's a good show uh good good bit too. If you want to you know reminisce with some Foo Fighters, man. Go on YouTube Wasting Light Live from 606. Or the Letterman stuff. The Letterman stuff's kind of cool. They have it all in black and white. They're wearing suits and shit. And uh <laughs> I just knocked my mic off the fucking desk again. Holy shit. I haven't had that problem in a while. As uh I got to stop holding the mic with my hand. This is a this is a bit of an issue. Maybe I, I could uh, pause for a second again and uh, reconvene. All right, I may have just fixed the mic situation for now. Hopefully, I well, yeah, I'm still kind of moving it. Let's hopefully that is not gonna fuck it up. Holy shit! Oh, at the end of the day, though, man, I'm just hoping the Dave Grohl, you know, uh, still continues to make music after this. I know that. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously he loves making music. I, you know, I imagine he's going to, but <laughs> he had such a close connection to Taylor. I imagine it's gonna, it's gonna affect him pretty bad. You know, but and he's getting older now. He's fifty three. I just read Taylor was fifty. I was thinking Grohl was a little bit older. I mean, he was in fucking Nirvana. Um, Pat Smear is uh sixty three. He's the oldest, I guess, of the uh, the Foo Fighters there. Which he was also in Nirvana there at the end. <laughs> which, holy shit, there's a great story. Which I, I talked about on the podcast, I don't know, a fucking year or two ago. Where uh, Pat Schmier was... <laughs> got into a fight at a Go-Go show, I believe it was. The band, the Go-Go's. <laughs> was, uh, got into a fight with... Uh, oh, shit. Uh, damn it, I can't remember his name. Um... Now I gotta find the clip. Uh, <laughs> at go goes. Let's see if that. Um. <laughs> uh, that's it's got a little information on here. Here, this is uh, ultimateclassicrock.com. Um, ba 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 ba. They're talking about. There is, there was like a riot. I think he said there was like a riot basically broke out at uh, uh, this fucking show. <laughs> uh, do do. Hmm. I don't know if it gets into this here, but the f uh, here it says the Foo Fighters guitarist Pat Smear name-checked the band during a recent Rolling Stone interview recalling that the Germs, the L.A. punk band in which he cut his musical teeth, shared an unsavory reputation with the Go-Go's who were beginning their hard-fought ascent to stardom but still slugging it out in the local clubs. When the Germs first started, we were known as the worst band with the worst musicians in the L.A. scene. Smear told the magazine, we got better and the Go-Go's picked up that title, which is what I love about this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions. 
That's great. Uh, you know he knows we all came from that punk scene. Nobody was giving us any props back then, but we were part of a scene that was exploding. Shock explains. We kept getting bigger followings. I guess that's one of the Go-Go's talking. Um, damn it, doesn't get into the into the, the whole fight thing. Um, oh, here we go. Here here it is. This is talking about it. it was the They were at the Troubadour, and they were trying to raise money it was during the height of like the lockdown, they were trying to raise money for uh, uh, venues. You know, they were making no fucking money when nobody could uh, tour and such. And uh, <laughs> Pat Smear's not big on talking, I guess, in interviews and shit. Um, <clears throat> uh, says this marked the first live concert performance for uh, from Grohl Hawkins. Chris Shiflett, uh, Nate Mendel, Pat Schmier, and Rami Jaffe since the pandemic hit and found the Foos at their best and most entertaining story-wise, which this, I mean, the story's fucking great. In addition to performing a handful of songs, there was a, a particularly amusing segment of banter. Girl recounted his early experience at the Troubadour, meeting Brett Michaels of Poison and joking that he was beaten up by Michaels' security team for getting too close for asking his bandmates for their own Troubadour memor- uh, memories. This led to exchange with guitarist Pat Schmier, who recounted a punk rock riot at a Go-Go's gig, the Troubadour. And even more intriguing, getting into a fistfight with Tom Waits. That's who it was. He fought Tom Waits. The ins- this inspired Grohl to do an imitation of Waits getting into a fight. And, well, yeah, it's, it's just watch it, which I have to pull it up on this other fucking computer phone here. Uh... <clears throat> see here if I can just find that segment here uh, so I Mr. Pat Schmier, uh if I find that oh no it's just going to show a clip of <laughs> Tom uh, Tom Waits there but I know that I uh, mean it's great because like uh, in that clip <laughs> uh uh, here's at the Roxy. Damn it! I don't think that's the, that's the one because that was the Troubadour that they were. Hold on. Second, since we're here, we're in your living room. Pat Smear, first show you saw at the Roxy. Come on now, here's a little trivia for you. Cheech and Chong's up in smoke, the movie, right? I think the pop Battle of the Bands scene. <clears throat> the Germs, Pat Smears Band. Woo! <laughs> Fuck, I'm gonna go back and watch that. Did you sit out in the alley waiting to be in the thing? The Germs were the only band cut from Up in Smoke, you guys! Oh, they weren't in there. Come on! That's better than being in the movie. Germs don't mess around. That's right. Uh, but we. Oh, that was it. I was really hoping for the <laughs> the story about the getting the fight with Tom Waits. But if you listen to the the bit with the Tom Waits, you get the impression because like uh, they asked him, "Well, did you fucking win?" <laughs> and you get the impression he did. He he lost a fight to, fight to Tom Waits at a go-go show. And I I hope uh, it had to, you know, 
that they already had maybe some of their classic songs, the Go Go's, like maybe what like had Vacation started playing when they just. <laughs> uh, that that would be fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, man, fucking Foo Fighters. I I hope we get more stuff and and maybe you know. Grohl now will uh, reconnect with you know some of his old buddies like ha- Josh Homme and maybe you know put out a, I'd love I'd still love to hear another Them Crooked uh, Vultures album man that first one's just so fucking good like Mind Eraser No Chaser uh, was it an Elephant Song or something like that I don't remember all the titles but man that's, that fucking album's so fucking good or just drum with like Queens of the Stone Age again or something just uh like uh I like yeah I feel like you know the Foo Fighters going to have to go on cuz that's I mean these guys have been together like 20 something years now and uh <laughs> it's what they do it's what they fucking do man I mean Dave Grohl broke his leg a few years ago and then continued to do the show after he broke his leg during that show got up on stage and like belted out some Queen while he's just in fucking pain. I I can't imagine him ever stopping like until unfor you know unfortunately you know Dave Grohl's gonna pass at some point too but that's uh <coughs> it's it's a, it's a damn shame about uh, the whole situation. Uh, but man, my and now my throat. Thanks to the whatever the sickness is, not COVID though, not COVID apparently, not the Rona. Oh, by the way, I actually finally got <laughs> the day after I got tested for the Rona. I finally got my free tests in, and I well, I ordered them as soon as I started feeling sick, because there's uh the government program in the U.S. that uh, will give you um I think it's four free COVID tests at home tests, and I I went ahead and did that, but uh, they didn't get here until after I got tested. So next time I feel ill, I guess I can avoid going to the fucking uh, urgent care and just do an at-home test. And if that gets positive, I guess then I have to go to fucking get tested. Or something, you know. Or just, it is what it is. And, uh, man. Yeah, uh... Like there was other stuff like last week I wanted to get into. It's just like I'm blanking, man. I just I just been so focused on like Foo Fighters and all all that good stuff and reminiscing with the music. Uh, and I've got wasting light stuck in my head. The bri- the the bridges are burning, uh, or whatever the the name of that uh, song is. But it's good, good, good stuff. As uh <clears throat> oh I did uh. I guess maybe I started on this before last week, but I have gotten into this is you know several years after it came out, but I finally got around uh, to playing uh, f- uh, Resident Evil Seven. I almost said Final Fantasy Seven. Resident Evil Seven. I had eight. I went through eight too much. Eight's a lot like four if you uh, you know haven't played it yet, which I, that's been out for like I guess over a year now too. But <clears throat> it's uh, it's a lot like four. I if you're if you like seven, uh, it's the same characters from seven. You had Ethan Winters and such, but I I I don't know. It's fucking weird. It's got you know, lichens, <laughs> werewolves and shit. 
it it's it doesn't feel quite Resident Evil-y. And uh the replay the replay value I don't think is is quite there. Um So far I'm really liking 7 though. It's obviously a complete homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh I like that aspect of it. And that there's actually, you know, a boss fight where you uh pick up a chainsaw after saw the shit out of the boss and uh, is your Ethan Winters getting uh, all crazy you got the cannibal family and they're got the table like sitting there like I I don't remember I feel like that's been several Texas Chainsaw Massacres where they got the family there and they're eating what appears to be human meat and stuff and they got like the grandparent sitting over there like in a vegetable state all that good stuff which they picked up for Resident Evil 7 which that man I feel like they could make a good Texas Chainsaw Massacre game I don't know why they they haven't yet you know the Friday the 13th game was fun they could do some kind of sort of take on that Ilphonic should get on that make some uh Leatherface, escaping Leatherface, you know? Where, and you could do sort of the similar thing, kind of like what they've done with Predator, where you're one per- person is Leatherface, or maybe it's one of the other family members of Leatherface. <clears throat> and then you have, you know, basically camp counselors, but they weren't camp counselors. I don't think at all in Leatherface in any of the uh, Chainsaw Massacre movies. Maybe you could have an... Uh, well, this would be r- kind of wrong. It'd be hard to get the rights to do this. It would probably offend some people. But you could maybe, you know, unlock Ed Gein in there. <laughs> As, you know, he was a real killer. And what w- was loosely they based Leatherface off of? Because Ed Gein, if you're unfamiliar, which uh, I've talked about a lot through the years on the podcast, was a... Uh, I guess they termed him a serial killer, but to... I believe to officially be considered a serial killer, you have to murder at least three people. And I guess they only proved that he murdered two people. But, uh, like, I feel like he murdered at least two, and I'm th- I'm pretty certain he's murdered he murdered more than that. This is in the 50s. He's, been, he's long dead now. Um, But he lived in around, around Green Bay. I don't think it was in Green Bay, but it was, like, s- somewhere up around Green Bay up in Wisconsin. I think it was like Plainfield or something, something along those lines. And uh, he looked like just you look pictures of him as like an old farmer, man. So when uh, the the a lot of the uh, <laughs> I guess Anglo-Saxons around here, the the white folk around here seem to think when the golden age of America was when we were great, you know, the 1950s. When it was just white men that had uh, all the rights. uh <laughs> You had Ed Gein, you know, killing people. Um, but Ed Gein was fucked up. Like when they finally busted into his house, because like the, they they based Psycho off of Mister Gein, and uh, also uh, Buffalo Bill on Silence of the Lambs is based off Ed Gein. You know, they took little parts because Ed Gein. Had a very foreboding mother. She was con- just a real crazy nut religious type, like super extremist religious. Thought women were evil, 
and that he shouldn't, you know, be around women at all and stuff. And uh, it's possibly he may have murdered his brother. <laughs> they never proved, I guess, that he murdered his brother. His brother did die in a fire, I believe. And But his mother had died when she died. He's like 47 or something like that. And he just went complete batshit crazy. And uh, he started grave robbing. Just digging up recently buried people, taking the skin from the corpses and making like a woman suit with it where he dressed up like his mother and would walk around <laughs> dressed in this flesh. And uh, he made like bowls and stuff out of the heads, the skulls and shit. And he used to babysit kids too. That's like one of the kickers is that he would babysit local people's kids. Like he had all this shit in his house. And he used to read up on, like, what, uh, shrunken heads and stuff in, like, I guess, Okinawa, or not in Okinawa, but, like, uh, a lot of places where, uh, there was, in World War Two like, the history of, uh, like, the Japanese there with the World War Two uh, some of the shit that they would do. And, uh, he, he shrunk heads. He had, like, shrunken heads, and I guess he told these kids that he was babysitting. Like, ah, oh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, got this shrunken head from World War II. Not that I just dug this body up or murdered this person. But here's a real-life shrunken head. That uh, Nothing to see here, Tommy. Tommy, don't tell your dad about that. Don't tell your dad about that, because little Tom Tom, <laughs> I'm going to fuck you up if uh, you tell your dad about this. This is uh, between you and me. Just you and me. And don't mention, don't worry about this horrid stench as soon as you walk into my house. Your children are safe here. Uh, oh, I can't spell shrunken. Um, but oh man, I <laughs> I don't know what it is with people that just. I guess you know. You yeah, spend too much time with your children. You want to get away from them. You're like, oh, I don't care. I'll, I'll I'll send them over to Michael Jackson's house to sleep in bed with him, or or at Ed Gein's house and play with some shrunken heads. Uh, ooh, there's some fucking pictures. I think. Holy shit! Do they have really have pictures? I don't think there's pictures. I don't think there's real pictures. Oh, oh, here's some. There's gloves made of human skin that I guess they found. Uh. Ed Gein's. It just, I mean, it looks like leather. I mean, it's fucking skin. That's what leather is made out of, is like cow skin, cow hide. There's a fucking belting man out of the nipples. That's fucked up. That looks fucked up. I don't think I ever saw the picture of it. I knew he did that. I never quite saw the, oh, man. Okay, here we go. Let's go and read some of this here. Uh, this is off of uh, medium.com. Lessons from history here. Uh, he talks about his father a whole lot. I haven't read a whole lot about his father. Uh, <clears throat> did you see his obsession here? Ed became fully obsessed with reuniting with his mother, no becoming his mother. Books about cannibalism, Nazis, shrunken heads, and Grey's anatomy fascinated him and shaped his insane mind. Slowly he came up with the idea of making a skin suit from the remains of women who resembled his mother and drape it to eventually become Augusta. 
So he started tracking recently deceased women who had earmarks of his mother and exhumed their graves. Then he skinned them and made articles out of the skin. Eventually, people became suspicious and closely monitored the graves. So Ed had to resort to murder. Oh, well, I mean, they forced him to do it, right? Poor Ed. Uh, poor, poor Ed. Uh, murder and arrest here. In the year of 1954, a woman from a tavern, Mary Hogan, disappeared and was not found. Later in 1957, a woman named Bernice Warden went missing, and her son, Sheriff Frank Warden, suspected Ed Gein. He was the last person she had spoken to. Upon searching his house, the police were horror-struck. The entire building was in shambles except for Augusta's room. The decapitated body of Bernice hung from the roof with her innards spilling out. The police found several items made of human body parts, probably due to his father being a tanner once. All the items were preserved. These included whole human bones and fragments, a wastebasket made of human skin, human skin covering several chair seats, masks made from skin of female heads, a belt made from female human nipples, which, I mean, it's really fucking weird looking. I mean, he literally just, like, cut the fucking nipples and, uh, I guess, sewed them together. A lampshade made from the skin of a human face. Mary Hogan's face mask in a paper bag. Mary Hogan's skull in a box. Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack. Bernice Warden's heart in, in a plastic bag in front of Gein's pot-bellied stove. Nine vulva in a shoebox. Um, and then he was arrested, but wasn't charged because of mental instability. Huh. Who <laughs> says? Unstable, do you? Uh, Ed Gein proclaimed that he did all it all in a daze, and when uh, not hallucinating, he would return home empty-handed. When asked if he had indulged in necrophilia, he denied saying, They smelled too bad. What did he expect? Rose petals? Uh, that's what it says here. I didn't uh, add, add that, actually. <laughs> And he died in 1984 in a Mendota Mental Health Institute due to lung cancer. Age of 77. Ed Gein. There's a... Uh, I swear, though, like, I've heard about him babysitting. And it's just like... You hear, you know, the stories of uh, all the shit that... Uh, fucking... Uh... Bah -bah, uh I'm the greatest. Uh, <laughs> R. Kelly, you know, he he uh, did horrible shit to underage women. And uh, the, uh, <clears throat> you know, parents would just like, oh, yeah, yeah, go hang out with R. Kelly. After, you know, shit had come out about him and marrying Aaliyah when she was, what, 12 or 13 or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> people already knew about that. But like, oh, no, he seems like a good dude. I mean, he fucking wrote. You know, that song for fucking Space Jam. The, I'm the greatest or whatever. Which I just can't th stop thinking of Ari Spears' parody of that. I'm the greatest statutory rapist. Like, learn learn to fly. Or no, that's Foo Fighters. Shit, I don't remember. The only song I really enjoyed of R. Kelly's was uh, Reignition. Or Ignition, the remix. That's, yeah, Ignition Remix, the... It's, uh, there's something to that song, even though he's a fucking monster. Like that Gail King interview, that's fucking great. Where you can just see he's, he's just batshit crazy. And I can't believe Gail King's like sitting there doing the interview. She had to be. 
you know, a little freaked out. Um, <laughs> there's uh, I, yeah, I do believe that uh, he was the butcher of Plainfield. Uh, Ed Gein, by the way, that was, yeah, it was Plainfield where he was from. And he would snatch up the bodies. Uh, yeah, he was a bit too close to his mother. You don't say. You don't say. Dressing up like her in a human suit. Yeah, here we go. Ed Gein used to be a babysitter. One of the scariest facts about Ed Gein is that he was considered to be a friendly, reliable reliable man while he was doing odd jobs in the community. Ed Gein and his brother were often hired as handymen, and Ed seemed to have been well-liked by the children of the neighbors. It seemed that it was easier for him to relate to children than to adults. Because of his talent, he was frequently hired as a babysitter by people in the neighborhood. <sighs> Good decision. I wonder how... That dynamic between the father and the children, or the parents and the children, um, after they found out the guy was a fucking serial killer. Like, hey, mom, you uh, sent me over to a fucking serial killer's house for like a year straight. Just so, what, you and dad could uh, go and have, I don't know, key parties, whatever the fuck you're doing, while uh, I'm being babysat here by... uh, Mr. Uh, fucking Leatherface. <laughs> like, thanks for that one. Thanks for that one. He helped. I had to help him solve Bernice Warden's head. And then I told you about it, and you just laughed. Oh, that ad. Oh, that ad. Uh, that funny ad. Him and his, his dummies that he's got. And he tells those children those funny stories. Uh but uh, <laughs> that's probably why I had like bad thoughts like at the Tool concert and looking at uh, what appeared to be like a father-son sort of situation going on, but there was you know, a lot of touchiness going on. But because I've you know spent my lifetime reading about dark shit like Ed Gein and, and all that, that uh, my mind automatically goes to dark shit. <sighs> I might need to cancel my, my mind, you know? Like, uh, like, like Putin said, Russia's been canceled, just like J.K. Rowling. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah, some remarks she made against the LGBT community and you know not being for trans right, which I I don't agree with. Um, but it's nowhere near as bad <laughs> as murdering you know thousands of people, uh, shelling like large cities to rubble. Um, you know, just just because you th- have this warped sense of you know you want to bring back the Soviet Union. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's totally the same situation. Cancel culture. Ah, fuck! You can't kill thousands of people anymore. You can't kill thousands of civilians. Which you know we should re- really react that way. You know the the reaction to this war in Ukraine. I mean, this should be like. Every fucking war that gets started, whoever starts it, you know, uh, whoever the aggressor is, that uh, that should be the case, you know. But unfortunately, you know, it's not. It's not. The, you know, some wars we applaud, some we fucking villainize. But this one, I mean, this one's awful. I mean, there's just an insane amount of shelling going on there that we, we haven't seen since World War Two. It's but damn it, you know, hopefully it uh <clears throat> opens people up more to like, oh, yeah, fuck, war is bad. 
I know in this country we have a love affair with bombings. And it's always drove me nuts that, uh, you know, for a long time we would go into uh, the big, when America decides it wants to, uh, I guess, play world cop, uh, you know, world police, like Team America. And uh, they would go, you know, we're not putting our boots on the ground. Don't worry. You don't have to fucking worry. Don't be anti-war. We're not putting boots on the ground. We're just going to. Send in a bunch of fucking bombs. We're going to get those drones up. And then we're going to have everybody on the... uh, (laughs) Everybody on the mass media, on the big time networks and shit, is going to talk about how beautiful these missiles are launching and shit. That like, oh, they only hit... They never hit civilians. They're just precision... (laughs) Precision, precision, precision. They only hit military targets. Uh... Anything that happens, just some slight collateral damage. You know, just hopefully it's, yeah, it's, uh, war, war sucks, man. It fucking sucks. And, uh, you know, and now we don't have Taylor Hawkins. Unrelated to war, just, it's just, uh, we need, you know, entertainers and people that bring, you know, light into the world to, uh, help uh, balance out, you know, all the horrible shit that goes on a daily basis. So uh, <laughs> I was going to try to open it on, like, you know, on a positive note, but, she, you know, at least there's still plenty of musicians still alive. I mean, all of Tool is still around. Even the original bass player is alive. He's not with the band anymore. Paul Damore has been, has been with those guys since the 90s. But, uh, I should probably shut up by the time I'm done recording. I might have to, like, you know what, fuck you know, one of them passed, and then I'm going to have to do an addendum at the end or whatever, some kind of correction. You know what? I was wrong. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's still shit to look forward to. I mean, fuck, we got uh, some Obi-Wan coming up in fucking May sometime, and I am stoked about that. The trailer looks fucking great. Fucking great. We're going to get... I heard, you know, they have Darth Maul's voice in the trailer, so I don't know if they're going to have Maul in it or not. But obviously Vader's going to be in there. Hayden Christensen's been confirmed. He's in there. And uh, I just want to go off on a quick little tangent before I I wrap it up here. Speaking of, like, shows, let's go on. This is the final season, the last few episodes, really, are coming up of The Walking Dead. The show's been on since like 2007 or something like that. It's been on for a long fucking time. And, you know, they started out pretty strong. And then there's, you know, like they'll have really good episodes. And then here's like five to six just shit episodes. And then a, a really good one. And then, you know, if like The Walking Dead's got like almost like a formula where like you can go like, okay, I watched the first episode, the mid-season break. The... <laughs> One right after the mid-season break, the, the beginning of there, and the final episode, and then, like, those are the only episodes you really need to watch. The rest are fucking shit. For the most part, that's pretty true on, like, most seasons. And this one, I can't believe they spent one of the big storylines on the final season of this horror show. You know, it's in the zombie apocalypse. And one of the big <laughs> storylines is Eugene getting catfished 
This is how they're going to wrap up <laughs> the show that's been on for like over a decade uh, about the zombie apocalypse. At one time, it was like the most watched show. It hasn't been, I don't think, in several years because, I mean, it's it's really gone a bit downhill. And it's it's so formulaic that, I mean, you know what's going on. And it's it's become like a soap opera with zombies. And now... In a zombie apocalypse show, the big storyline is Eugene gets catfished. And still no Rick Rhymes. I'm betting there's going to be a uh, uh, Star Wars Force Awakens deal where the only Rick Grimes you actually get is in the final fucking episode. Which I think, uh, man, I, I liked it better before they did the time jump. And of course, you know, when Rick Grimes is in it. I mean, he was the the protagonist of the, of the show. I mean, that was basically... I mean, you'd have episodes that were good that didn't have Rick, but, I mean, he was the main guy in the show. It was fucking Rick fucking Grimes, yo. And, you know, I'm not getting too pumped for Rick Grimes' return when all I'm watching is Eugene get catfished. <laughs> this takes away from how awesome Rick Grimes' throat rips are and I don't, I still don't know why that we don't see people get more fucked up, like with having zombie brothels and, uh, you know, just going to complete base instincts and stuff and seeing people just like, obviously there's murderers and stuff in the walking dead, but they don't go as dark as I think that would actually happen if you went to a zombie apocalypse. Fear of the walking dead kind of gets into it and, you know, people like get nuked. But that seemed kind of almost jumping the shark. Like they need, like that show seemed to try to reset their whole story too many times. Like after the first was it season or two seasons, like they kill off the almost the whole original cast. The show's gone. Uh, they like the fourth season. Like I think is when it was getting kind of good. I mean, there was times where it was really good. But, uh, and then now the they're in fucking Fallout. It's Fallout, The Walking Dead, Fallout. The crossover. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess I guess I'm good uh, on ranting here. I think I think I'm good as my voice is like going as whatever this virus is I picked up that uh, still fucking with me old throat. So uh, I guess as always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can.